Good afternoon and welcome to the Key Hire Solution Show for Small Business, where our goal is to help small business owners kind of transform the way they think about their business to get to the next stage of growth. And we talk do that through talking about talent or setting vision like we're going to talk about today. We'll, we'll talk about cybersecurity, whatever you need to learn and get better at as a small business owner, we are your resource. Uh, before we get started, just a, a comment or a reminder, if you do have any questions or comments, put them in the comment box. We're going to be happy to answer those for you after we talk to our special guest today. Uh, our special guest today is Angela Stewart. Uh, I have been working with Angela for jumping. It feels like I want to say 18 months, but it might be two years. Uh, and she is a VP of sales and marketing for the distribution point. Uh, we'll be calling it TDP. Uh, in our conversation. So if you hear that that acronym, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. And uh, they went through a very big transformation not long ago, and she was an, in, an integral part of that transformation. So I thought we'd pick her brain. Uh, well, we have the chance. So let's bring on Angela. Hello, Miss Angela. How are you? Hello. How, uh, how right or wrong was my intro? It was perfect. Just was it? months. Mm -hmm. Is it 18 months? And how long have you been with TDP in in, in general or in, in total? 13 years. 13 years. And the sad news is they're going to be losing you. You've 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 gone on to to new things. And um, but we wanted to get you on the show before you wrap up with them because it's been so much fun working with you. I appreciate that. One of my best hires came from you. So I'm leaving them in good shape. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's very cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's start talking about, you know, setting a vision. Um, you know, what was going on in the business or what was happening at the time uh, in TDP that made you guys think that, hey, we need to dive into this and start understanding uh, setting a vision or, or a common goal for everyone to kind of work towards? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been with TDP 13 years. Um, the company will turn 20 next year. Wow. So we had been rocking along about six years. Right. Pretty much a singular goal. We, um, we're a distribution. We're a master distributor for branded plumbing fixtures, by the way. Right. And those first six years, we had one customer base. Basically, the profile was very... Um, generic. It was wholesalers. And right after I joined, e-commerce and retail became a, a big component of our portfolio. So that changed the business drastically. Um, now, all of a sudden, we had three major types of customers, very different needs. Um, we, in the beginning, sort of had to keep them all secret from each other because you know, everybody was, oh, that's my competition. So being in master distribution, you know, you're in that situation a lot. So it just became very evident over the next four years. We rocked along in that, that we need a cohesive strategy. We need to help our associates understand who we are and what we're trying to achieve. You know, it's easier when you're in the founder's mentality and everybody there, they've been there all along. So everybody sort of just in, inherently understands what you're trying to do. So kind of formalizing that is, is a challenge. And that's what we started getting into about that time. And so I, I just wanted 
you said something that kind of caught my attention. You said, you know, for the, you did it for the employees, right? Mm -hmm. This vision. So it was an inside out approach that you were really trying to accomplish. Yes, definitely. I think, you know, the, the vision, it's a statement of your strategy. I mean, it's what is your major goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then you boil it down to very simplified terms so that people understand five years from now, when I grow up, this is what I want to be. And it's aspirational, inspirational. Um, But it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah. And and we're, we're going to get to that, but I also wanted to check in because you you guys growing a lot in this time, right? Like what, in terms of, you know, headcount and revenue, I won't ask you about revenue, but in terms of headcount, you guys have really made leaps and bounds and, and, I guess, looking forward, you were thinking, well, if we're going to be adding people in, we really need to kind of, and to use your lingo, you know, indoctrinate them into the company so they really understand what our vision is and and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And also what we were hiring for. Um, Because if you start at the onboarding stage and you're into it and you're trying to help these new employees who don't, most of them don't even understand the industry you're in because we're in a very unique um, industry, I think. And so that's, you, oh, you're correct in that. You guys are in a very unique industry. We are, yeah. you know, that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you want to hire for the vision, not just on board after you've already hired and help them understand the vision, but sort of have that in, in mind as you're hiring those people. And we had hit about 120 associates, when we decided to, in earnest, get our vision, mission, and values. And a couple of years before we started that, we we really, at that time, just started to get our brand together. So the company was about 10 years old before we really had um, kind of a, a revamp of our brand and right. kind of hit that in earnest as well. And that feels like that's the natural progression of a business, though, isn't it? I mean, you start a business, you hire your neighbor, you hire your in-laws, you hire your neighbor's friends, and everyone just kind of pulls on the rope and does whatever they have to do to get to whatever point it is when it kind of the business outgrows the experience of all the people that are there. And you think, oops, we got to make a change. Right. So that I don't think that's that's kind of the the entrepreneur's journey. Mm hmm in a sense. Right. But it was good that you guys were able to go, okay, because you're growing fast. I mean, you guys took off like a rocket ship. Yeah. We did. Cool. Mm-hmm. So you've gone through this process um, and you've outlined kind of what was behind it and what was driving that. Uh, you know, what were, what were kind of from 30,000 feet, the most important steps in, in defining this and put it in place. Yeah. And then if you had to kind of, if someone's listening out there thinking, Hey, this is super interesting. I'd like to, you know, look at this more. What do you think is that crucial first step that they have to take to kind of start this journey? I think before they start the journey, they have to do a gut check. And if Ranson, the owner president had started, you know, talking to us about, Hey, let's get a vision together, et cetera, et cetera. A couple of years prior to when he did, we would not have been ready for that. So the gut check is, do you really have the stamina? Because this is not a one meeting and done thing. Do you have the time, not only the time to dedicate to it, 
but the time to step out of the business for probably two, three meetings, in addition to all of the work as you're rolling this out. Um, and I think uh, an independent facilitator or someone who can really be outside of the business to help you with those initial meetings is important. So I would say first step is gut check. Are you really committed? Because the last thing you want to do is start taking a couple of steps into it and realize, oh, wait, this is this is too much. And then everybody now they don't believe the next time the, the word vision comes up. So just as long as, you know, you're committed and ready to go and you understand it's going to be you know a process. I think that's the number one thing. And then to to have your management team or your leadership team or a couple couple of trusted people with you who know you as a business owner, know your whys, mm-hmm. why you're in business, what you're trying to accomplish and what your ultimate vision is. When you have that and you're committed, you're ready to go. Cool. So I got two, two more questions for you. So you mentioned using uh, someone, an external resource to kind of facilitate this meeting. Uh, is that you guys did that? We did our first meeting. We went off site for two days. Um, we had an independent facilitator who came in and walked us through the questions, um, tried to pump us up a little bit for it and for us or for it and get us out of our typical mindset. He broke us into a couple of teams. We had six people at that time on the leadership team and he kept us on track. I mean, right. Otherwise, we would have been talking about the same things we always talked about. We would have been, you know, in the same mode because we're always together in our normal meetings. So I think that was important. So getting off site kind of gave the new scenery kind of gave you uh, the ability to get outside of the normal yes. mindset and framework. So and the other question I had is when you're setting this vision, is it? the business owner saying, this is the vision I want. I guess this is what I'll say in your case, was it the owner saying, this is my vision? Or was it a group saying, were were there disagreements? Did people have to give and take to agree on what was best for the company? Or was it one person kind of saying, this was what what I wanted you guys get on board? The the vision was a collaborative um, initiative. And it was a lot of back and forth and ideation and, you know, going back to the drawing board and saying, we don't like that word exactly. Or, you know, we have three sentences and they're run on sentences. You always start with this long, you know, paragraph and then you have to boil it down and boil it down. But we didn't really disagree on that too much, but I will tell you the values were a whole different story. Interesting. Okay. The values. So so the vision, I just want to be clear in your experience, it wasn't someone saying, this is my vision. Now we got to find a way to word it. So you guys all get it and understand it and agree with it. It was a group of leaders saying, here are our ideas and let's kind of boil them down and reduce them down, distill them down to the, what the root of all of this is. Yeah. Most of us had been working on the business for a little while together and with Ranson closely. So we knew what his vision was. It was more of the exercise of getting it into words and communicating it. 
um, the values were different because I'm a firm believer. I know it's, this is not about values, but I'm a firm believer that your values absolutely must reflect your owner. They have to, right. your culture, all of those things, because lots of companies try to create a culture that is not them and, or is not the owner and it fails every single time. So because the, the owner's actions are the culture of the business. Yes. So you can put words on a wall. This is, we're going to have to have you back for part two now because you just opened a whole can of worms here. But <laughs> yeah, you can put words on the wall. But if the owner walks out of his office and does the opposite, exactly. they don't mean anything, right? That's the culture. That's, that's what we'll see. Okay. So yeah. let's, we'll get back to the vision now. So, the, so number one, you said gut check and mm -hmm. you, you recommend getting an outside resource and someone who is kind of, this is what they do to help you work through the process. Yeah. Yeah. And so in it, did you guys make any, were there any mistakes or any missteps that you, if you had to do it again, you would say, Oh, caution, you know, be careful here. Um, I would talk about on, you know, live. <laughs> I would try to take a little more time to get more buy-in throughout all levels of the organization before we solidified um the final words because i'll tell you what our what our vision ended up being is we want to be the most valuable part of every supply chain we touch and you know we are a link in so many different parts of the supply chain in different ways a lot of our associates um pickers and shippers and things like that they're very focused on the day-to-day -day production and most of most of them don't even really think about what a supply chain is. So we would get a lot more buy-in and input and do sort of more focus groups. In my opinion, this is just my opinion. I would like to do more focus groups and get more feedback, you know, on those things so that we could refine it a little more, but it's about five years old now and it's time for 2.0. Okay. And I won't be a part of that, but I know that they'll continue to refine it and get it closer and closer to the people on the ground. So what, so getting that buy-in, or I'd be curious to understand who was in the room when you set the vision? Did you have all levels of employee or was it just, you know, the key leadership team or mm -hmm. if you had to do it again, would you include, you know, entry level and mid level and different levels of people in the creation? It was just upper management and we did take it back and get feedback from several groups. Um, I had the VP of sales at that time take it to his group because I thought that was very important to get their feedback on what they thought the customers would hear and, you know, understand and things like that. And we went to other departments as well. It just wasn't as involved as I would have liked. Um we were sort of under a time a timeline that self-imposed. Okay. Um, but yeah, I would just get a lot more input from the day-to-day -day and make sure that we were being authentic. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and as we talk about TDP, the way I describe TDP is, and it's it's a really easy and simple comparison. And, you know, everyone always picks the big guys, but you guys, I always explain it to people. You're like a mini Amazon that just does plumbing fixtures. <laughs> and, and you ship the, and you ship to brick and mortar. We do. We, we drop ship four businesses and we ship two businesses. Um, 
We do and it all, all across the country. You do the e-commerce, and I mean, if you, if you're out there and you're buying a plumbing faucet and it says for sale online only, it's probably pumping out of one of your warehouses, right? It could be. It could be one of our customers selling it, and we're shipping it for them, or yeah, myriad of of vehicles. Very cool. Well, I'm going to take this boom. I, I because I have the time to say I'm going to miss working with you. I've enjoyed it so much, and I hope. Key Hire brought some kind of value to you over the last 18 months. You did. You really, you really, really did. And I hope I'm going to stay in touch with you because I hope our paths cross in the future. Well, I think they will. And and so we're going to give you a chance to plug yourself. You use the term, you're going to be a free agent come January. Yes. You're taking some time off. So, um, you know, your background is marketing. You've been sales and marketing with a, a very um, technology driven and, 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 a company that is using all of the technology and resources of the modern world. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is looking to have someone help them or uh, be able to pick your brain come the new year, 2023, no one don't, no one jumped the gun. How can we reach you or how can they reach you, Angie? Um, I'm going to leave my personal email address with you and anybody who wants to reach out through you or to me, there it is is perfect. I love that. You know how you were talking about the beginning of a business where everybody's just doing everything. You're pulling the rope. And I love that transformation between that and, oh, we need to get a little more structured. We're growing like crazy. And there's so many things. What what are the real priorities? Because there are so many things that need to happen in that growth spurt. Yeah. So I love those stages of business. And um, I, I would love to help someone with that and take our experience and pain and apply it somewhere else and maybe help someone avoid some of that. Very cool. And I think those are some of the best conversations we had around that stuff, right? Around like, yeah. here's what we want, but here's what what's available and how do we, how can we make it work? You know, those were fun conversations. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Um, we're getting some comments up here. People are, are thinking it's been valuable. So I've really enjoyed our time as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Angela. Oh, Matt, we cut Angela off while she was saying goodbye. So she was mouthing the words, good, thank you, goodbye. And uh, Matt dropped her out of the room. So uh, if anyone has any questions, you know, please feel, uh, feel free to drop them in here. Uh, thanks, Chuck. Appreciate the comment. Um, and let's see if we have any questions this week to, to go over. Matt, what do we have back there? What are some key elements around talent planning when setting a vision? So this is really cool. Um, you know, uh, TDP is, is such um, a unique business and they're located, their head office is located in Birmingham, which is a small market. So you know, if you're looking at a situation like that, where you're doing, doing something really innovative, or you're trying to set a really innovative culture, you have to think about your candidate pool. Um, what is it? You know, who can you draw from? Uh, if you're doing, if you're a very innovative business, the chance of pulling someone in from that small market, if you want to, if you're trying to acquire the talent locally, um, then you have to think about or prioritize the skill sets you're looking for. Uh, because you're probably not going to get the home run. You're not going to get the unicorn, right? You're not going to find someone who's done it all if you're creating a business that is different than anything in your in your region. Uh, so prioritizing what you want to, what experience you want to bring into the building 
and what experience you can train and teach once someone is in the building, I think is super, super important and a step, you know, some people overlook. Uh, they kind of think, hey, this is what we're doing. This is going to be great. We're going to hire people. And then once you get into the market, you realize, well, hold on, is the talent here? Which leads to kind of the second point on this. Are you going to use, uh, you know, a national or global strategy, which would involve, you know, remote work? Are you going to engage agencies that have talent, you know, in Mexico or India or wherever that can do some of this work um, to draw, keep driving your processes forward? And are you going to have local people that can do kind of different duties? Or are you going to hire remote workers to do the job and, and have a remote workforce be a part of your talent strategy. So there's, there's lots of iterations here and there's so many different ways um, you can approach it. But yeah, I think what Angela said before, right? Like gut check, you have to, and I love that as a first step for almost anything you do in business, uh, you have to think about, okay, this is what we want to do. Where's the talent? Uh, we can't say we're going to do this and we're going to get talent from here because if the talent isn't here in this specific location, well, what's plan B? Um, and if you're resistant to a plan B and, you know, all you have is plan A and you burnt your boats, uh, it can make for a hard time and, and it will definitely slow uh, your ability to scale and grow the business maybe and not meet those growth goals you were looking at. So when it comes to kind of um, setting your vision around what you want, I mean, vision really speaks to, you know, uh, hire for attitude, train for skills. But when you're looking for leaders, we really don't want to be training a lot. We want people that can come in and bring impact. Um, so you just want to make sure we're, we're putting our hook in the right pond, right? So we're, we can catch uh, or attract the right people. I think I've rambled on long enough on that topic. Matt, what's next? What are the benefits from a defined vision? Uh, and, and I think Angela talked about this really uh, articulately, um, and I'm probably going to mess it up. But, you know, as people come in and you scale and grow, uh, if, if everyone who's in the building and has been in the building is buying into a vision, um, and it's a horrible word, but as people come into the building, you, you indoctrinate them into your culture, right? If everyone is saying the same things and sending the right message as people come in they're, they're never going to wonder what's going on what is the expectation what is the behavior um you know if if let's use a silly example if you say i have an open door policy you can talk to me anytime you want and you see that happen then if you have a problem you're not going to hesitate to go knock on the door and say hey i wanted to talk to you about something but if we say, hey, we have an open door policy and the first day you're there, someone knocks on the door and the owner says, go away, I don't have time. Well, they're probably not going to be um, lining up to knock on that door and ask a question. So if, if everyone is bought into that vision, especially as you're scaling and growing and onboarding lots and lots of people, whether it's, you know, entry level staff, oftentimes in, in, in that entrepreneurial journey, that growth, eventually we're adding new layers of leadership. And as those leaders are coming in, it's equally important for them to understand uh, what the vision is and buy into that and, and have it be reinforced because they're going to have teams of people reporting to them. And we want that to trickle down. You don't want a, a department that's an outlier that's not acting uh, the, the, 
the way the rest of the company is. You need that continuity if you want to scale. And so you can trust your people and get the performance and delivery you're looking for. What is the next question, Mr. Matt? As a business owner, how important is it to buy in on the vision? And again, I think we touched on this in our conversation, but um, the vision ultimately are words on a page. They're, they're words in a handbook, they're words that are plastered on the um, staff room wall. Uh, and if people don't live that vision while they're at work, those words don't mean anything. The vision ultimately is the actions of the ownership and the leadership of a company. So if their actions contradict that vision, the vision doesn't mean anything. The vision really becomes how the owner operates. And I, I'll give you an example to kind of show you what this is. Uh, back in my previous life, I was in hospitality. And after 9-11, uh, I, I used to do kind of high-end fine dining. And I ended up in a corp the corporate restaurant world, which to me was not a good fit. Uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a visionary type person. And, and, and um, working within a corporate structure is very hard for me. But, um, you know, we had these manager meetings every week. And they called it, you know, insert company name here, triangle. And they said, we have three sides of a triangle and they are all equal. Uh, we have the shareholders at, at one, one point. We have our customers at one point and we have our employees at one point. And you'll notice it's an equilateral triangle. Everything is equally important. But then at the staff meetings, all we talked about was how much money we made and how many guest complaints we talked and we never talked about the employees. So. The vision was equilateral, everyone's equally important, but we spent 6% of our time talking about profits, 40% of the time talking about customers that complained and zero time talking about the welfare of our employees. So the vision of the company was not an equilateral triangle. In fact, it was, you know, it, it was an obtuse triangle with one really, really, really short side, right? And as managers, we all knew it. Whenever they talked about the triangle, we just roll our eyes and say, it doesn't matter. It's it's not true. So that the leadership and ownership, uh, their behavior is the most, I, I think Angela said it, right? The vision needs to be created around uh, the actions and values of the owner um, because the, they're not going to change their existence and the way they behave inside their business that dramatically. I mean, they're always trying to improve, right? Business owners always want to get better and are always trying to be better employers and better leaders. But, you know, fundamentally, they're, they're not going to do a 180 on who they are and how they do business in general. So I think that is it. We're right at 2.30 here. Uh, those are all of our questions. So I hope you enjoyed our the this episode of the Key Hire Solutions show for small business. We'll be back again in two weeks. If you'd like to learn more about Key Hire, we do talent strategy and acquisition for growing small businesses. We help you do everything from create new positions, leadership roles in your company to creating complete human hire, uh, human capital and talent uh, strategies for to scale your business. You can check us out on our website. Uh, you can follow us on our LinkedIn page where you're going to see this video and lots more like it. 
And uh, this will be, you can check out our podcast on whatever podcast service you use. This will be on Apple or Spotify or Amazon Music, all the big ones. Uh, this goes off, we do this on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. So we will see you in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.